dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. <laughs> Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I need to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. I left that out. Well, never ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Uh-huh. Day or night. Okay. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. I do. Robin Mines. Go to this song, honestly. It goes, let's go crazy. Sound like Little Red Corvette better. What? How could you not love this? Well, I'll tell you what now, right now, I do love this because last night at this pop-up surprise wedding that we went to of our friend Naheem's. Yes. You actually made that your speech. You did it. I did it. I, I told you I was going to do it, and I was going to use Prince. Let's go crazy for my wedding speech. Because it sounds like a wedding speech at the beginning. Granted, I cut out all the stuff about the afterlife. Made a little <laughs> edit to myself. Why'd you cut that out? Why? Because, you know, I wanted to keep it more uh, more fun. No, wait. I can't. I already can't remember. Did you go before or after Jenny? Jenny is the bride, the by Jenny's the bride. I went after her father. Oh, my God. So it was literally <laughs> okay, the bride's father, mine. me... And then they got, then they had like the actual ceremony. So, so it was, uh, it was an experience. To fill you in, we have a, an amazing podcast show today. And by the way, I just want to give you a visual in case you haven't been online. You can follow us on Snapchat under Hey Frage. But Sammy is hungover today. I'm so hungover today. Because I, I was at a wedding yesterday. He's super hungover. And he's got a, a shirt on that's dipping way down into a lot of chest And it's hair. got Scotty Pippen on it. And it says, Pippen ain't easy. Get it? It's a pun. Or as I would say when I start my sports broadcasting career, piping. Yeah, piping. Piping ain't eyes eye. That's not how I say it. That's. <laughs> anyway, and you just look um, not your normal self. You know, you you look usually really together, very you know. Oh no! I fell asleep in this tank top, mm-hmm. these pants. All I did was and these socks. All I did was I put on shoes, and I was like, "Well, give me a shirt." And you almost look like you have a cut on your head. Did you fall last night? Oh my night? god! I actually may have fallen. I wondered. My head actually hurt. <laughs> Big scrape. Oh damn! I, mean, I wondered big, what I did yesterday. You dude. have a huge scrape on the ba- on the top of your head. Well, what can I say? How many times in my life am I going to be at a pop up wedding? Probably once, <laughs> right? So I brought it in hard, and the fact that I was technically the best man for it, you know, I had to bring it even harder. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> Bushmills whiskey and, uh, and Costa Rican beers. We're going to talk about the pop up wedding. I do have to tell you, I am becoming that person that cries all the time at weddings. Oh my weddings. god, you were Last, so emotional! I was so emotional. I could not stop crying. Last night was so amazing, and why I think pop up wedding should be the new trend. I really do. So we're going to get to that. And then, of course, the big thing for our podcast today is Chuck Carroll is here, who is a friend of mine, who used to be a reporter at 99.1, who we worked with yes. when we were at Hot 99.5. Chuck actually worked at the sister station, Big 100.3 mm-hmm. at the time. And Chuck's great story is, Chuck, how much weight did you lose? Over 300 pounds? Uh, it was 260. 260. Jeez. Just under 300 pounds. So he is here today. We're going to be talking about uh, some tips for you five diet tips to avoid in the new year and we'll get 
Chuck's thoughts on New Year's resolutions. Oh, absolutely. If he thinks they work. But anyway, I love Chuck's weight loss story. And he's kept the weight off for six years, which I think is, that's really the telling part. Because a lot of people, it doesn't matter how you lose the weight. So many people gain the weight back. I'm not going to lie. So, like, I knew he was going through this transformation. Yeah. And when I first saw the picture online, like, after years of not seeing him, like, at work, I honestly was like, oh, who's this guy? Like, I had no idea. It was such an amazing transformation. Like I, I cannot wait to actually hear more of the story. So, so Chuck will be on uh, the podcast later today. We're going to do a little click because there's a story that is trending today about would you eat your best friend? <laughs> okay. Welcome to the click. <laughs> I want, wait, I want to do the show intro first. Oh, you want to do the show intro first? Well, you can't How say click. <laughs> I'm pretty hungover today, Sarah. I told you this. we got to intro the show first, for God's sakes. There. Sarah from Oh, God. favorite line um teddy beats i know you're really hungover today so i'm gonna try and just oh my gosh just come on don't worry about me i'm a pro at being hungover you on the other hand not a pro (laughs) well i wouldn't i wouldn't be here that's why i don't drink really during the week well like i said once in a lifetime opportunity i don't drink during the week because this this podcast you and i becoming uber successful is my number one so I I, i do nothing to jeopardize that well i'm not jeopardizing it right now okay i did one thing to jeopardize it earlier in the show i played the wrong music but that was it (laughs) That was one mistake. So, wait, let's talk more about, because I think you did a good job last night with your wedding speech. Oh, really? Last night, we both went to, Nahim is a wonderful friend of ours. We went to this pop-up wedding where they had told everybody initially, what, it was an engagement party or just a happy It was actually hour? just a party because his fiancée uh, finally got her visa. Finally stay, got yeah, her visa. To stay in okay. the United States. So. Jenny is initially Irish descent, mm-hmm. right? And then her family moved all around. And they did this super cool idea. You show up at Jack Rose. That's where it was. Mm-hmm. Upstairs. They had the private room. You walk in and you immediately realize this isn't just an engagement surprise engagement party. This isn't just like a happy hour. Oh, no. Jenny's in a wedding dress. Nahim is in a suit. They're getting married. Yep. And most people showed up and they had no idea. Or they were like texting me like, hey, I'll be there a little bit late. And they're like, you can't be late. It's our wedding. You got to be there. Yeah, you got to be there. There were people, there was one guy there in an ugly sweater that was like a Christmas ugly sweater mixed with the Seahawks. He was like that kind of a fan. We were all dressed horrendously for a wedding, okay? My (laughs) friends and I. So was I. I didn't even change from what I wore to the podcast there. (laughs) But it was a pop-up wedding. That was the best part about it. People were just comfortable. They were enjoying themselves, you know? Such a genius idea. Oh, my God. I mean, instead of spending, what, $25,000 we learned was the average, they probably spent a couple thousand bucks and when and I'll tell you right now what makes a great wedding speech because you and I were talking about this on Monday show earlier this week Jenny's dad I can't believe you had to follow that that was so amazing did you not think he was so good it was a great speech I loved it but it's like one of those I feel like at weddings you always have to have the sentimental one and then if you go sentimental again it's just gonna end up boring everybody so then you have to do the opposite you You know mixed it up 
I'm telling you, Jenny's dad came on. He was Irish. First of all, I was... The accent. The accent oh. helped make it so legit, too, by the way. The accent was so, so freaking good. And he was just basically talking about her long lineage of very strong women mm -hmm. in her family. And her mother had passed away, which, of course, like, was so sad. Then I start crying. Um, but her grandmother, who lived through, like, the Nazi era and was in France, and her house was actually mm -hmm. taken over by the Nazis, and she went back... Or she went down to a Nazi office... To taking her shoe off, banging it against their desk, demanding her house to be back to her. They gave it back to her with the stipulation that I believe a Nazi soldier had to live there. Maybe. I don't or know. Or a was, German. Yeah. Okay, so a German man had to stay there. I'm not sure he was a Nazi soldier. I don't want like this yeah. to <laughs> be an investigation. But anyway, so he, this German lives in their attic. And it, just this amazing speech and how much, like, her mom would love to be there. Oh, my God. I just couldn't stop crying. It was it great. Was so great. And then Sammy rolls up and says to Naheem, Jenny, and then starts reciting the Prince song. Yeah, I just said, hey, dearly beloved. And then I just literally repeated the lines of the Prince song. You have any regrets going with that? Uh, no. I think people uh, people came to me after and were like, dude, that was great. That was so good, so quick and easy. And then at the end, because I knew Naheem wanted something long and he wanted something funny, but I knew Jenny just wanted me to say cheers. So I just said, all right, here. Here's the long, funny one for Naheem. Jenny, cheers. Oh, my God. It was, it was so phenomenal. good. People I enjoyed loved it. it. I enjoyed it too. I was so. Um, I liked how quick it was. Okay. That oh was, my god! It was that was such a great idea. So good. Like by the time they had the, when they actually did the ceremony itself, the actual wedding thing. It was like, all right, y'all, y'all want to get married? Okay, kiss. Boom. Boom. Let's do this. From start to finish, the whole thing was an hour, which I thought was genius. Yeah. So they really let people come in at five thirty. Everybody had a drink till about five forty-five, uh, six fifteen. Then they go, okay, we're gonna do this. All the, the vows, the speeches, everything Boom. was done in like less than 10 minutes. It was so great. And then the rest of the night, I guess y'all partied. We just raged. You raged on. We raged hard. Oh, my God. I love I, I loved the whole thing. I was just so like in love with love last night. I was like, oh, my God, now I want to kind of get married. Are you going to? That's what I was going to say. I actually was worried that you were going <laughs> to see that go down and then that you were just going to start bombarding Dan. No, I haven't bombarded him at all. I was just like, oh, my God. I mean, there's a lot more to a, a marriage and a relationship, as you know, than just. As I know, Sarah, I've been <laughs> single for so long. I don't know anything. Well, I feel like you, you know, you've been in long-term relationships. You know how it is. Yeah. You've kind of partially lived with a woman. They're horrible. They're not horrible. Mine you just were. haven't found the right person. And that's what Jenny's dad said is like you end up finding this person and you realize that like the lights come on. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait for that to happen to you because I just think you're going to be so like just Why light on you? your light in your loafers. You're just going to be really just going to be <laughs> frolicking around, skipping, tapping, like clacking my heels together. Is that what you think I'm going to do? Yeah. yeah, I see myself not ever doing that. Ever? I don't believe that. I don't know. Right now, I'm just, I'm loving the single life. I'm loving working, focusing on the cast pod, focusing on other stuff. Oh. Like, it's good, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. The cast pod, the cast pod is on fire. The cast pod is on fire. Cast pod is on fire. And we are confirmed. I believe ticket sales will go live today. We are doing our very first live show, January 29th, here at DC Improv. I like to say we're actually almost co-billing with Tony Rock. Who's oh. Chris Rock's brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only he'll be on a completely different stage in a completely different room. Tony Rock will be on the main stage here at the Improv, which yeah. is what we normally tape on, right? Uh -huh. So when you're on my Instagram under Hey Frage and you see the DC Improv background, that's the main stage, yep. okay? Then they have a lounge 
which is sort of where you know up and coming improv and comics mm-hmm. start, right? So that's where we're going to be. Yep. And tickets are fifteen dollars a pop. Then we're going to do a little VIP thing. We're going to do some giveaways. We're going to have some special guests. I'm excited. Come buy some booze and and drink, and you'll probably be on the podcast. We're going to do a live taping, and you'll probably be hungover like I am the next day. Oh my gosh! Even I will probably drink. Ah, uh, what? I'm gonna get one of those giant wine glasses. Oh, I thought you were gonna get one of those huge margarita bowls, like a fishbowl <gasps> oh, margarita. Yes. Okay, I love margaritas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I'll do that. All right, I'm I'm, down. I'm obsessed with a marg. The marg. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. So that's January 29th. DCimprov.com. Hopefully, the tickets will be up today. Yeah. All right. Now, remember when we had our very we launched our very first episode? Because mm-hmm. this is episode 12. Right? It was. So this was a whole four five weeks ago. So episode one, I told you about a hundred and ninety thousand uh, dollar job offer that yeah. I had had and turned down, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I wanted to go back to that because I want to clarify something. At the time, I couldn't actually tell you like who gave me that job offer. Yeah. So metaphorically speaking, I came up with a like a pseudo politician, like somebody who who wanted to hire me to kind of launch their podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well. The, the truth of that, and now I can say it. Because Wait, that wasn't real? <laughs> well, the, well, the, the $190,000 <laughs> offer was, was real. Yes. But now that there's no longer any red tape with Cumulus, I can tell you, and I'm sure people will think I'm absolutely bananas for walking away from this, was the job offer was actually to stay at 107.3. Wow. For $190,000 a year. Yeah. To do middays. Which would have been the most... High, you would have been the highest paid midday person in the entire nation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a big source of controversy. You know, I've, I've been having a lot of like internal stress, a lot of IBS issues, uh-huh. all this stuff, right? But I didn't, I turned that job down because I just really felt like ultimately sitting there for five hours talking five times a day is just the ultimate. I, I can't do it anymore. No. And this, I don't, I just, you have to have a passion behind it, you know what I mean? And you have to be able to, to, to use your creativity. And if they're going to sit there and stifle your creativity, it's not going to be fun. No matter how much money they pay you, you'll never be happy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, here's the thing. And you and I have both been in this boat. I have had radio jobs where you're paid really well. Fucking like, awesomely well. Like when people always go, oh, don't go into radio, don't go into TV, you never make any money. That's not been the case for either one of us. No. I, I'll be really honest. So the money part of it, I guess, didn't really interest me and they also wanted me to sign a longer contract to stay with 107 which is now mix and to be honest with you i just don't believe in i don't believe in what they're doing no and i and the other thing is and like i don't i don't want to like i've said i don't know jack diamond at all but i there was nothing exciting about following his show about doing middays after that show after that yeah and just like on a station that has again an identity crate, like everything. Yep. You know what I mean? No, I get that. Trust me, it would have been, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I probably would not be helping you out if you were at... Well, they, so that was, I'd have been like, you know what, Sarah, good luck, congratulations, I've, uh, I've got to do my hair. Well, honestly, and that's the thing, that's the other part of the story, is, you know, they were not, they were fine with you coming to the studio and us taping the podcast there, because the, part of the deal was, hey, if you do middays for us, we'll let you yeah, do a yeah. podcast, which, okay, great, but the other thing about it is, is like, whenever you're working for a company like that, as much as they tell you, oh, hey, you have carte blanche to do whatever you, you want. You never do. No, 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 and if somebody else, some other on-air talent has a problem with it at mix, you know, then suddenly you're not, you know, then you're fighting all the fucking time to do the content that you really want to do. Yeah. So one of the other big things is like what Sarah Tyne Mel gave me and what 107.3 and over the years with working with Hot gave me is realizing I want to work with you. 
Like, nice. That's it. Good. Done. Because there's no, and again, I say this all the time, and it's not to blow smoke up your ass, although I would definitely do that if you needed me to. Just <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you're one of the best fucking underrated people. You're such a gem. Well, thank you. I feel like that sometimes, but uh, it's whatever. So I was like, I've had it. I want to go out and do the fucking show we want to do. I want to do it my way. We're going to make eventually a lot more than $190,000 a year. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, I cannot work there. But anyway, they had said to me, oh, sure, yeah, you can have Sammy in, but we're not going to pay Sammy. And I'm like, I'm so fucking over that. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather have you pay me 100 pay Sammy 90 and just get us both in the door. But it was just so much bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to clarify that because I think a lot of people said to me why after that episode aired, what was, tell me more about the job. Why would you turn down 190,000? And I, again, at the time, because I was waiting on a exit agreement, a severance package, Mm -hmm. all that to get done, I couldn't tell you that this offer was on the table. But I wanna be honest with people because I think that people, A, don't talk about salary enough. I don't think that women share their salaries and offerings enough. And I think that other women, whether it's in the media business, maybe it's your own business, mm-hmm. the money is always very enticing. And when you get to the point that we're at, too, where now we're beginning to have people, agents, managers, people are interested, they're also pressuring you to take that money because they, they know they're going to get paid. Yeah. Exactly. So I just always want to tell you like it is about following your passion i love coming here every day i feel the energy and the momentum Mm -hmm. we're doing a live show it's like everything now is beginning to make sense why we did what the cane show why we left that like it's all beginning to make sense like what's really happening like they say sometimes you're along this path you don't really know why you're going there until you get to your destination then you're like okay now that makes a lot of sense yeah and like i said i swore off radio a long time ago and i said i was like all right, Sarah, I'll only get back in radio if it's worth you. Because, like, people just don't get it, man. I've worked with, and a lot of people just, it's just not the same. I'm so tired of the same old BS in radio over and over and over again. Everyone's just trying to copy the next person. That's all they do is they just copy each other over and over again. Like, no, I want to do something creative. I want to be able to sit here and talk something real. I want to be able to make a joke and then go on to talk about, you know, a drastic weight loss and then go on to another penis joke. Like, that's that's what I like <laughs> yes, about this. Exactly. And I don't want another fucking management team telling you everything you want to hear. And then you're a month in. You, you know, you, whatever it is. And, of course, oh, you no, know. You don't even under, people don't understand gone, the, the asinine comics. They would come down, sit you down in this office, fly in from out of state. They'd be like, you know what, the show, you guys need to give the time more. 25-year-old <laughs> women really want to hear the time. And I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. You really, that's the one thing you walked away from listening to the show for four hours was that 25-year-old women love to hear the time. He's like, well, I mean, I wake up. That's where I get my time. In the shower, I don't have a clock. I was like, who dude. the fuck is I was like, who the, the fuck, like, who the fuck is listening in the shower, man? Like, no, dude, they're in their car. They're listening to the radio or they're listening to it online. And guess what? Their phone has the time. Their car has the time. It, it was and so t- ridiculous, the- and I just felt like there were so many promises being made, like to just get me to sign. And they'd already put out a press release that I was doing middays, and you know. And then once you get in there, it's like, well, you know, that whole um, going to the Adams Center and doing the Muslim story. You know, people don't really want to hear about that. It's like, oh my god, I just couldn't do it. And no, it's insane. It's insane. I loved how they would always tell Mel, though, like, Mel, like, no, 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 no. Girls really don't go out. They really don't drink. They really don't go out. They're not talking about that kind of stuff. And I'm like, have you ever hung out with? That's all we talk about with Mel. Like, 
That's all we do. I go, that's what we do. Like, we hang out. We go out. We have a good time. Like, how are you, a 70-year-old man, going to tell me, no, 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 women don't do that? There's the problem right there is you got 70-year-old people trying to run a station that's geared to people 18 to... To 34 women, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it was so bad. So, anyway, I always want to be an open book. Look, you can email me if you ever have questions. I'll disclose anything about salary, anything I can talk about. If I can't talk about it, you know that there's some sort of contract or non-disclosure agreement, and that's why I can't give you the full story. My email is always Sarah, with an H at heyfrase, H-E-Y-F-R-A-S-E dot com. But I just think it's important because I really, and today is going to be an example of that. This show, every time you tune into this podcast, it's funny, it's entertaining, it's based out of D.C., it's totally pop culture, and I want it to be inspiring. And today you're going to be inspired with Chuck, and I think there's so many people listening to this on their drive-in to a job they hate, Mm -hmm. when in their minds they have... They know exactly what their passion is. They know exactly what they want to do. But keep going. Slug through it. Because if you keep working towards that plan, I'm telling you, I sit here every day now with Sammy and I go, fuck, it's happening. It's happening. Like, it's really happening the way we wanted it to happen. Like, it was amazing yesterday, people coming up to us and actually being like, oh, dude, I listened to the podcast. I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, we listen every day, man. We listen to every episode. We can't wait. And I just was amazed at just people that I never thought, you know? I know. It's So anyway, if you ever need guidance, if you want to talk about your situation, how you get to that place of finding your passion and doing it, email us. I mean, I'd love to hear your story and struggles. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are already living their dream. How'd you do it? Because mm-hmm. I think it's so important. I think especially millennials get a lot of shit for not... Um, you know, just being like, oh, all about themselves. But I think millennials really want to blaze a trail. I don't think they want to work for corporate America. Yeah, no. I don't. I think a lot of millennials are dealing with the same bullshit we were at Cumulus, at iHeart, all that crap. And I think they want to walk away and do something that's meaningful. They want to do something good, but they realize that they can never actually do something good in the position that they're in because someone's always above them, knocking them down. Always, 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 always. always. And it's so. I mean, I I don't want to be like over dramatic, but you know, when you do watch things like Making a Murder. You see how there's a system that has worked and a small amount of people have benefited, thrived, Mm -hmm. made money. And that's all they give a fuck about is making it for themselves, taking what's theirs, and they don't care about anybody behind them. Yep. And it's that is so radio. And it's why radio is failing. It's why radio every year is less and less and why podcasts are going to be the future. Just one of the media futures. Because it's just that's the system. So anyway. There's my rant. You good? That's, yeah. that, was, that was good, well, right? We'll get Chuck Carroll's take on radio as well. He's a long-time <laughs> radio person. Uh, but I want to do some click because there's some good click stories out, and I want to know your thoughts on this. All righty. Let's hit it. Ain't nobody fucking with my click, click, click. Uh, I wanted to start with something that's in our backyard in Poolsville. How do you feel about this guy? Mark Cohen spent nearly $40,000 and 400 hours building a hockey rink behind his house in order his own field of dreams in honor of a woman who had passed away. He's been inviting locals to come there and skate, which hundreds of kids have been doing. But now Montgomery County says they're shutting him down. Montgomery County Department of Permitting Services says that he actually put up the rink on rolling fields of grass in his own backyard yard but they were built atop an agricultural reserve which uh, has housing restrictions as well as building restrictions county officials say that cohen is in violation of that they've sent him a note that he will be fined he says this rink has brought people tons of joy 
So far, there isn't word on when he's going to have a meeting about it. He's hoping that he can keep it up, but Montgomery County is saying for now he's going to have to take it down. Speaking Thoughts? of red tape, speaking <laughs> of red tape right there, were they actually using that? Uh, I actually read the story. No. They weren't even using the land for agriculture at the time. It's literally just sitting there vacant. They're not using it, but yet they're saying, well, just in case we want to. Well, why don't you go grow some fucking corn there, and then we'll talk about... Why? Like, he, he, he made a free rink. That's awesome. Free rink. Kids have been coming up. Parents, they say, look, they're getting their kids out. They're doing an after-school activity. The yeah. kids are meeting new friends at this rink. Keep it up. Like, that's crazy. Because, like, in Iowa, for instance, this would be a non-issue. Like, and I, I remember this one guy built this huge basketball court in the middle of his, like, property. Everyone was allowed to go play it. Everyone was allowed to go play in it. He didn't have a fence there. You just had to walk through the forest. Boom, you're there. You can play basketball. Do whatever you wanted to. No questions ever. I know. I really, I almost want to go out there and skate in the next couple of days before they probably take it yeah. down. I'm with you, though. I hope they let him keep it. We're with you, man. We'll come protest. We support you. We support you, Mark. Dude in Poolsville. Uh, there's new hope against cancer in the not-too-distant future. You know I love stories like this. Dr. David Agus says that while we haven't won the battle entirely, the future is shifting and looking brighter. Agus is the author of the new book, The Lucky Years, How to Thrive in the Brave New World of Hope. He says that we are hopefully less than five years away for having a lot of people live with cancer, much like you would live with arthritis or type 1 diabetes mm, what Isn't does he say about deodorant uh don't wear it did stuff. he say that <laughs> no. did he say that okay because I, say that. I am gonna start i'm gonna slowly start chipping away at your non-deodorant thing you don't think oh i think there's tons of truth to that really absolutely i think there's so i think that cancer lives within our bodies all of us it's just different people based on your genome is triggered by other things and i'm telling you outside chemicals putting aluminum under your arms especially for women who shave their underarms is toxic you can't tell me how is that good for you well how is it how is smelling like ass good for everybody else it's one of those things like do you want to okay are you going to be the selfish millennial, or do you want to be the millennial that cares about others? I and where's the odorant? People now embrace the smell, because now they know you're on a campaign for non-cancer stuff. Yeah, that's what they do. Usually when I walk by someone with B.O., I go, ah, you must care a lot about your body. I'll tell you this. My other big thing is, I read a thing over the holiday about drinking water. You know, you're not supposed to drink out of plastic containers anymore, because when water is shipped, like I love Poland Springs water. Mm -hmm. I'm a Mainer, so I like to support yeah, Maine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't know when they're shipped, because once they get to a certain temperature level, Plastic toxins is released into the water. But do you know how hot that temperature level is, Sarah? No, I actually don't. It's like over 100-something degrees. Well, that could happen in the back of a truck if they're sitting in the middle of June. In the middle of Nevada, yeah, but never like, where else, Sarah? How is your water in the middle of winter going to get toxic? Because they travel to New York City. Mm -hmm. then they and they park. heat it up. You think they heat it up first? <laughs> and they're like, let's give them all toxins. That's how we're going to get them. No, I think See? they don't do it intentionally. Anyway, I'm drinking only out of glass now and stainless steel. Well, you want to hear I drink my tap water now, Brita filtered. Oh, dude, I drink straight up DC's finest right out. Like oh. I have a Brita in my fridge just so it looks like I care about my health, but I never use it. No, straight up DC's finest. Mm -mm -mm. Only grass-fed beef too. I don't <laughs> eat any of that stuff. Really? Yes. Okay. What you think? <laughs> I think there is so much to that. So much to that. Anyway, the book, The Lucky Years, How to Thrive in the Brave New World of Health, 
Dr. David Agus trending this morning. I think he's on to something. How do you feel about this, Sammy? Because I feel like you and I are both in the small business realm. But mm -hmm. Reddit, you know, notorious for rallying together enormous groups of people. Well, now an entrepreneur, Sue Sullivan, is telling other small business owners that's the place if you want to get your product out there. Sullivan had started a Chipotle sauce company called Hot Squeeze back in 2007. Mm-hmm. But in the years that followed, she realized that it wasn't going to survive if she kept working with middlemen distributors who quickly scooped up the lion's share of her profits. After a friend had told her about Reddit, Sullivan decided to host a giveaway on the site. After giving away $8,000 in free samples, she soon found it was a hit with Redditors, many of whom ended up calling up their local stores to request her hot sauce. Months later, Sullivan shared a follow-up post with Reddit and Business Insider detailing in her own words what her journey was like. She was now selling directly to several local stores, boom, making the money and getting rid oh, of the distributor. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that genius? That's genius, actually. Sullivan is now saying that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a small business owner, if you're a woman business owner, you should hop on Reddit and utilize that. Isn't that great? Reddit is like the... They solve crimes. They solve crimes. They now promote products. Mm-hmm. Ingenious. They release revenge porn. They do a lot of stuff there. <laughs> oh, they do? Is that happened to you? Pretty, yeah, it's happened to me, Sarah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I have to get laid first. All right? Okay, well, anyway, look, if Reddit, if you want to take on this podcast, this cast pod, feel free. <laughs> I want to know if Reddit has solved making a murderer yet. They're probably on their way, Sarah. Have you ever read, like, the... the yes. Reddit does a lot on Serial, too. You can read so much. Oh, I want to find out what they think if they think Adnan's guilty or innocent. Uh, lastly, I wanted to leave you with this because it's causing outrage on the Internet. You might see this trending on your local Twitter feed or Facebook, but I ate my horse after it was put down has caused a social media fury as a rider says that she gorged on, quote, her best friend. Mm. Uh, a Swedish rider had, to, had caused furor on social media. She had to put down her horse after it suffered some serious injuries. But the Swedish rider says that the furor is ridiculous. She says that you should be able to eat a horse like you would eat any other meat. And just because her horse was also her best friend, it was named Iffy Mant, uh, she says there's nothing wrong with actually going full cycle and eating the horse. I mean, look at you want grass-fed meat, Sarah. Horses. Oh, I don't know. There's something wrong though about eating your pet. Why? It just. I mean, I I know that there's nothing actually wrong because there's a lot of countries that eat horse meat mm -hmm. aside from us, but it's just something about like you don't ride a cow. There's nothing like friendly about a cow. Why? I, okay, so like in Tunisia, we used to have like chickens at my great-grandparents' house, <laughs> and I would go and I'd like play with a chicken. I'd befriend a chicken. It would be like my pet for the summertime. And then one day I'd, I'd come down for lunch. I'd go upstairs to play with my chicken. He wouldn't be there anymore. And then I'll put it together in my head. Oh, that was my lunch. Okay. Oh. oh. I just feel like there's something really gross about it. No, it's whatever, man. It's just how it is. Like, you're going to become attached to any sort of living creature. So, what do you think they do? If these are like, you're buying that grass-fed beef, because there's someone that's sitting there, probably has a name for the cow. Walking oh, along, no treating way. it nicely, and then one day it's like, all right, come on, Sue. You're about to be Sarah's steak. <laughs> well, Stahl says the animal lived a great life. If you can't eat an animal that had a great life, then what the hell are you eating? She says the horse tasted a lot like beef. She also had her friends over. They all gorged on the animal as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the word gorged in the title of that. That's like Because they're trying to make it sound great. Look, at she slightly nibbled on some horse meat. Ain't would nothing. you eat? Um, but this is like I would the thing. Would you eat, would care, you eat yeah. Slash? Yeah, if I could eat, if, if after, I've actually always talked about how I kind of want to take my dog after he passes away and make him into some mittens. No. Like, I just want to make him, because he's so furry and soft, it'd be great just to have some mittens with, like, all that fur. 
Why don't we stuff Slash before we eat him? Okay. I, mean, don't you I think also had the idea wrong? of stuffing him and making him in a helicopter so he could just fly around. <laughs> <laughs> slash the drone? Yeah, Slash would be a drone. Slasher the drone. Yeah, I think it'd be red. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, so if you see that story trending, you know why. Your mommy, wait, hold on. Your parents eat their pets. They don't really treat them like pets, though. They treat them like a chicken would be really? treated. Like, they, they grain them, they you let them out. You call them pizza. You have them, you, you name them, Sarah. But those were fiber goats. So those you, you comb for their cashmere. Okay. They didn't eat those. Now, the ones that they sold for meat, they never actually So they named. never ate pizza. They never ate pizza. They just let him die and they never ate them? Correct. I That's a shame. Pizza died, I think, got some parasites or something. Yeah, then never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to eat them. Pizza, you're gross. <laughs> you don't want to eat them. But our family dog, Derby, I'm not eating Derby after he dies poor thing uh chuck carroll is here chuck come on up all right we can't wait to talk to you. chuck lost uh a little under 300 pounds 260 i believe you said right 260. 260 260 and uh chuck is here today to talk about five diet tips to avoid in the new year because one of of course the still top new year's resolutions is weight loss yeah it's everybody's it's everybody's. It's everybody. Chuck Carroll, you look so good. So do you, girl. So do you. Oh, my God. Well, Chuck is wearing, I love the jeans. Thank you. Got a great pair of brown shoes on. And I like this. What's this color? Kind of like a bluish green. It's a beautiful sweater. All right. My wife picked it out. I will uh, pass that along. By the way, we have not seen Chuck since yeah, he has been married. Yeah, congratulations. I saw the Yay. Facebook Yay. Congratulations. Yeah, very happy. Your wife is uh, Julie Wright. Yeah. Very famous traffic reporter, radio person as well. Don't build her ego. <laughs> that, that makes it difficult for me at home. But I Does love it? you. I love you, Julie. Well, how does it feel? Because, I mean, I don't want to go out there and say that Julie's like the bigger star in your relationship, but she is sort of more famous. Well, you're stating the obvious there. I'm not going to go and say, hey, my stock's bigger than hers. No way. Julie's been around, you know, for quite some time doing traffic on Fox. Now she's over on ABC7. She's having a blast. Everybody knows her. We can't go anywhere without somebody coming up and say, hey, give me the weather forecast. And she's like, hey, I do the traffic. But, you know. <laughs> I know. Julie is super well. Julie is beloved in the DMV. Very much so. So Very that, does so. that ever get old? No. No. As a matter of fact, it makes life easy for me because I run out of things to talk about. And people come up and they just step right in. It's great. It's great. So it all works out. It all always. When did you guys get married? October 10th. So really, oh, so you're really recently, new. Yeah. yeah, so we're coming up on three months, you know, and it's going well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on the couch. I'm still in the bed. So, so far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody says, though, like once you're married, there is like a change. Like it feels different or like something's different. True or false? False, at least in, in our case. And I'll tell you why, because... Here's a little secret. We were living in sin for two years before beforehand, so we had a nice little try before you buy. Ah, and so nice. All, yeah, all yeah. we did was make it official in this case. So. so do you recommend the try before you buy? I am a big proponent of the try before you buy. I think you are doing yourself and your partner a disservice if you don't do the try before you buy. I agree. I mean, Sarah, you've been living with your boyfriend for how long now? Uh, Dan and I have been living together a little over a year, a year and a half. Okay, so yeah, so you're doing yeah. the try before you buy right yeah. now. Yeah. He's super easy to live with. Yeah. I'm like, this would be, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. He does most of the cooking, the cleaning. I'm like, I love this. The only thing that you need to get used to is the ring on your finger. And that's oh, it. Everything that else. Feel weird? It, I, I still fiddle with it all day long, you know? Ah. Yeah. You like that? Let me let me just show that to you. I know this is a podcast, but. Oh, my God. 
I love Chuck's ring. This is gorgeous. You went with some bling, too. You got some diamonds in there. Yeah, we got blue Silver, sapphires. blue and, sapphires. And, and, and diamond, yeah. I love it. I designed it. She's a awesome, Cowboys man. fan, so, yeah. Oh, so that works perfectly then, yeah. She was happy with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Oh, my God. All right, well, we have a million things to talk about, because we also want to talk about radio with you. Oh, my God. I could talk all day about that. How long is this cast pod? Is that what oh, we're we calling? Oh, we don't have a time limit. Oh, you talk however we want to. Yeah. I mean, Sammy's hung over, so at some point he may fall over. I but may, but He might fine. take a nap, but you and I'll chat forever. People love, oh my God, they love, love, love to talk. Oh, we they got love tons to hear of us talk. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before we, because um, I want people, once we get carried away talking about radio, we'll never get back on it. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you to follow your journey, get tips. Where can we follow you social media-wise? All right, so it's on uh, on Twitter. It's at the Chuck Carroll. It sounds a little pompous, but just Chuck Carroll was taken. I yep. apologize in advance. I promise you my ego is not that big. So I'm the Sammy K, don't worry. Okay. It's because See, Sammy K was taken. You, yeah. you get it. I Sammy K was taken? I know. What Weird. Some girl. Uh, dude, really? Yeah. The person that got Chuck Carroll has, hasn't tweeted since 2000, I think 13 yeah. at this point. <laughs> and I, I'm so salty. I'm so salty. I don't so blame salty. you. Yeah. Is it Carroll with two R's, two L's? Yeah. C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -L. Okay. Yeah. So that's where people can find you on Twitter. Do you have a website? Uh, I'm in the middle of launching it. You know, I've, I've kind of been uh, marooned here on an island here in recent weeks, so I got some time on my hands yeah. putting that together. That's a radio story that we'll talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> love this business. Well, um, I love your story. Thank you. It's, a, it's an amazing story. So tell us from the beginning, um, because at your highest weight, you weighed how much? 420 pounds. 420 wow. pounds. And today, you weigh what? 155. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. And like I remember actually kind of reading the story at one point uh, on your progression, and what I thought was amazing was how it wasn't like you, it seemed like it wasn't like a one day thing, you're just like, I'm just going to walk. And then you just kind of kept on walking, right? Pretty much. I mean, I, I make no bones about it. I had gastric bypass. Mm -hmm. and what that did, that enabled me to break a, a serious food addiction. But from there, you know, I attribute 10% of the success to the surgery, but from there, it really was just all about walking. I didn't go to a gym until I started seeing Julie. Like, I was anti-gym for such a long wow. time. Wow. Yeah. And that's actually my five tips that we'll, we'll get into. Here. So tell us, okay, because you kept the weight off for six years. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people struggle with uh, anywhere from being 25 pounds overweight to being 150 pounds overweight. How now, reflecting on it, do you think you got to be over 400 pounds? I mean, I was just a food junkie. I was addicted to pizza like it was heroin. It was bad news. Pizza and Taco Bell. I mean, it was just bad news. It got to a point. Mm -hmm. I was eating more than 10,000 calories a day. 10,000 calories. It wow. was ridiculous. You know, you hear Michael Phelps, the swimmer, you know, he talks about eating 10,000 calories a day. The difference is I'm not doing shit. You know, I hadn't right. gone to the pool. I'm like maybe walking to the car, walking to my desk at work, sitting there all day, getting back in the car, going home, sitting on the sofa. And that was the extent of my exercise. So I was just ballooning. I got up to a 66-inch waist before I said enough was enough. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What about, so growing up, like, did you ever, did you have, like, healthy eating habits? Were you an <laughs> overweight kid? Like, what was, how did that start? Yeah, I always uh, shopped in the short and fat section. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I, I know, I was an overweight kid forever. Like, I mean, and people know my story, but I've gained and lost 150 yeah. pounds, and I lost it from mindful eating, and same thing. I don't even subscribe to a gym now. Right. I, I don't. I do classes here and there when I feel like it, but I mostly walk. I do push-ups, sit-ups in my own apartment, some yoga moves. That's it. I just think that 
for me, it, it never worked. The gym became this whole other pressure of trying to get there. And then when I didn't, I felt guilty. And, you know, so, but I was always an overweight kid. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing. It's like, as a kid, I didn't realize how poor my eating habits are. I don't think that most kids actually recognize, you know, and they can try to teach you the food pyramid in school. But, you know, what kid is paying attention to that? I shit? definitely have no idea what the food pyramid still means. <laughs> All I know is that grains are on the bottom, I think. Yeah. That's it. And, oh, and yeah. you know, so I just I remember for me, it was it was a ton of fast food or if I was over at my grandma's house, it was fried food. And I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know that vegetables weren't supposed to come from a can. And I didn't know that they weren't supposed to be creamed with a ton of butter, you know. So I only learned all of this late later in life. And so that's kind of where I'm at now is six years later after losing all this weight. I'm Mr. Clean Eater. I'm Mr. Organic. I'm with you, by the way, on this whole no deodorant thing up until the point where I need to point out that they what? do make deodorants without aluminum. They do. They yes. just don't work very well. I've tried them, and Sammy can. Sarah attest is to pungent. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Come shopping with me. I will get. You, I. I okay. I'm dead serious. I. I use one without. Uh, without aluminums, and it works magnificently. The only brand that I've had success with is a thing called Pit Paste. What? Have you heard of them? No. Their no. their Pit Paste is the only thing I've tried making my own, which you can make with some coconut oil, a little baking soda doesn't hold up. Little lemon. You're supposed to like rub lemons under there. That doesn't hold what up. The, wouldn't I that know. burn? I mean, are you rubbing the lemon juice well, on there sh you right after the, you shave? No, no. God almighty, woman. No, that <laughs> would be bad. No, but you mix it in, and then you kind of put this like paste under there. That didn't work. Pit paste works a little, but it doesn't have like a long, you can't go all day. Have you ever used like one of the rocks before? The rocks I've never had success with. The really? rock, you just get them a little wet, and they're kind of like crystals. I've never had any luck with I that. I had success with the rock. You, you don't get them a little wet. I mean, you want to soak that thing. Oh, maybe You that really want to go to town with it. And oh. you get, and you got to be liberal. It's not one of those things where you can two make swipes. one or two No. I mean, you got to spend a good two minutes in there on each pit to get the rock to be effective. But Tom's. Tom's is the brand that I use, and it works magnificently. It's a roll-on, it's a liquid, and it, it I'm telling you, really? I don't stink, and there's no aluminum. That's amazing. I've, I'm a huge fan of their toothpaste, but their deodorant, I've had no luck. Ter have you Reeks. used the roll-on? You know? Hi. You like know, we said, Sarah is pungent, man. <laughs> their, 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 their bars don't work. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But the roll-on, The bars it, I've used, it works. Don't work. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try that. It's a, Yeah, try it. So, okay, we... Uh, I totally want to hear more about what you eat because you're. I think you have incredible discipline. Maybe you see. Maybe you would use a different word to what you eat today. But take us back because we worked with you how many years ago? Seven years ago when when we were at Hot, you were at Big, yep. and that was one of your highest points, right? Uh, well, after I left, uh, it was still Clear Channel at the time. I put on another fifty. So you guys probably saw me when I was in the three seventy range. Like I was still in like just bad, bad shape, but I, I still had a few more pounds to put on after I left. Wow. But yeah. So what was your tipping point? Um, it was actually, there was, I, I was getting frustrated because I couldn't find a good quality of woman to date. Your options are limited at that weight. And, mm -hmm. you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, some women can look past that shit. No, they can't. No, they can't. Nobody can. And I don't blame any woman for not wanting to go out with me. So, Well, I mean, I think the <laughs> truth is, don't you think that from as an outsider, when you see somebody who weighs, and I'm, okay, this is a blanket statement. You can call me out on this. But I think when you see someone who weighs 400 pounds, you think, okay, this person has, something's going on. 
they're not happy with themselves. You know what I mean? Don't you think that's more? Yeah. What I, people I, see? I would venture to, yeah. And what people don't realize is that, you know, food addiction is an addiction like any other. And so Definitely. I recognize that immediately. But the other thing that people who haven't been in those shoes don't realize is that a person who is that heavy has no idea of just how big they are. They know yeah. that they're overweight, but they don't know how much trouble they're in. Like, uh, I did a, a hit on um, Good Morning Washington on, on News Channel 8 earlier this week. And I to, saw it. And to do that, I had to go out and buy a pair of my old 66-inch pants. And I hadn't seen these things in years, and I, I unraveled them. Like, it was a fucking sheet. Like, these things were huge. They and I were was enormous. Like, I wish yeah. I thought to, for you to bring them. I totally forgot. We could have taken a picture. And at the time, when I was wearing those things, I, they looked like normal jeans. They look like normal jeans to me. And now wow. these things are, you know, two parachutes or something. It, it's ridiculous. I people mean, I just, wish people could actually, like, you are literally one-third the person that you were. Like, One-third the person, but twice the man. Twice the man. Exactly. But I'm saying, like, when you see you physically, like, it's a huge transformation. And it's amazing. Because I I don't know. I feel like even sometimes when I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I just want to lose 10 pounds. It's, it seems like it's so much for me. But then hearing a story like that, you realize it's just, you know, the baby steps. The small little, small little things you were doing every day to kind of... Well, I, I'm curious, what was your impression of me when we worked together over there? Nothing. I just thought, here's the thing, I was just like, oh, just a cool dude. Like, I just figured you were just a jolly big guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I have, like, my, I have a, a lot of obese people in my family. Like, they're big, big guys. And so I just was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I get it. Some people like to eat a lot more than other people. That's just how it is. You know, we all have our thing. And I never thought anything of it. Then when I started to see the change, I was like, whoa. Yeah. That's when it really started to blow my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. I always, I mean, and, and uh, that was, I was younger then too. So I, I don't feel this way about people, but this is how I honestly felt about you. I always thought you had a great personality and you were adorable. And I always thought, gosh, I feel bad that he weighs that much. Yeah. That was like how I felt about you. And I feel like, I feel like that's bad because, you know, some people are happy with their weight. Um, but that's always, I always had like a lot of empathy for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't yeah. know. Is that good or is that kind of like you didn't, like, I don't want to. No, it empathy. means that you have know. a good heart. At least you're not treating the uh, the fat people of the world like they're, you know, lepers and you just want to get rid of them, ship them off to a colony. Some people are like that. Oh, you know, I know. You're like so heavy, uh, you know, especially when you're going on an airplane. So you're in tight quarters <sighs> anyway and you're walking down the aisle and the stares that you get from people, you can see on their face, they're like, dear God, please don't let him be sitting next to me. And you're doing oh. the walk of shame because, you, you know, at that point I had a seatbelt extender because the regular ones wouldn't so fit around So you me. did fly when, oh, you yeah. were, when you were heavier, when oh, you were yeah. 400 pounds. Absolutely. It was oh, not the easiest thing in the world. It was not. Wow. Matter of fact, shortly before I had the procedure, I flew across country for a conference in San Francisco. And that was just, it was hell and torture because I was so embarrassed and I felt oh. bad for the people sitting next to me. No matter how nice, I actually sat next to a little old church lady. No shit. And she was so sweet the whole time, but I felt so bad for her because I was just spilling over into her seat. Wow. Yeah. That must have been. I mean, it's so, I love when you say that because I do think people are not empathetic. And I think you're right. It is, it does come down to food addiction. And just like an alcoholic, you know, you would have some, or someone that's addicted to drugs or, you know, someone that has an emotional issue, you'd have empathy for them. And then someone that's overweight, you know, everybody goes, oh, you should be able to do it, you know. What's wrong with you? Put down the fork. Yeah, they, they don't understand. Food addiction is real. I remember waking up in the middle of the night on times when I was trying to diet, you know, before I did this thing successfully, and I would just be, like, so 
angry and shaking and you know i'd fight that for a few nights and eventually i'd you know just like put my fist through a wall and then go to taco bell mm. it was it was literally a fix that i had to have so wow yeah you know, you've been on my podcast before when I was kind of doing it part time, and I obviously watched your story and I've read your blog. So your real turning point, though, was your family was getting ready to have an intervention. Uh, it wasn't the family? It was actually old radio friends. Old radio um, friends. So uh, you guys know John Ballard? Yeah, of yes. course. Yeah, Ballard. So Ballard uh, was kind of the ringleader. I just lost eighty pounds and put all of it plus some back on. Um, so he got concerned. I used to produce uh, Glenn Hollis when he was still over at Wash FM. He was somewhere in there, some engineers, some other people around the station. And, um, yeah, and, and that stung. And at that point, you know, I was already thinking, you know, i got to make some changes. i got to do some things. But to hear your friends were getting ready to do an intervention, it was just like what you would see on TV when people are wow. doing it with drugs. I got pissed, like so pissed. Wow. Like how dare you think I even have a problem? Wow. You guys are the problem. Yeah. So after they tell you about this intervention that they're going to have, you're furious. Uh, when did it sink in that, yeah, you you were going to look into having surgery? It, it was pretty immediate. Um, it, the thought had already crossed my mind before this had come up because my father and stepmother had the procedure with some success, limited success. They didn't change their eating habits. I love them to death. I wish that they would, and they would find way more success than they have um so yeah i was already entertaining the idea that was just kind of the tipping point for me though because that's the thing and that's what i find interesting and of course you know i'm i'm always all over everything going diets don't work you know i don't believe that they do work i think you have to get your mental game in order because it's all about what's upstairs and how you feel about yourself you got to get that mental game straight because that's why people emotionally eat in my opinion i'm not a doctor but that's the thing with gastric a lot of people will have the procedure and then two years later three years later they've gained all the way back yep they don't realize that yeah your your stomach's going to be the size of your thumb right after the procedure but your stomach's also a balloon it can expand it can right expand, back out yeah. you know i can tell you right now six years out my stomach is probably the same size as y'all's you know why do you think you've had success but your father and stepmother do i have that combination you, right yes you do uh, have not had the same success they didn't change their eating habits um, my stepmother goes to the gym every now and again. Dad never really got into that. Um, and really, I'm sure you know this, 90% of it is nutrition. It's what you put into your body. And that's why I was anti-gym, because that's only 10% of the equation anyway. So you really have to change your eating habits to be successful. And I don't care if you're having gastric bypass, another bariatric procedure, or you're just going on a diet. You have to change your eating habits. And I also, I don't like the term diet either. I like, hate it. No, yeah, it's I think it's terrible. Because I just think a diet implies something short-term. When when you and I both know, and, and Sammy eats regularly, it's a long-term plan. Like, it's your plan. Yep. It's, it's, it's a health plan. It's not a diet. A diet is like, oh, I'll lose the 60 pounds, and then I'll go back to eating. It, you're not going back to eating. Like, yep. what you start eating today is, and with some adjustments, because obviously your body changes along the way, but that's what you eat the whole time. Yeah, that's actually number one on my list is you have to change the way that you use the word diet. Just as you said, it's not a short-term thing. So we're talking about the top five things that people do while they're not successful in dieting. And number one is the use of the word diet. It's not a short-term fix. It's a yeah. lifestyle change. It's not even long-term. It's your entire life. Like, this is it. 
you need to make this change. Otherwise, you're just going to keep yo-yo dieting. You're so just going to keep doing it. When Okay, so you get the gastric. Now, did his insurance pay for that? Is gastric expensive? Like, how did that all happen? Yeah, that was actually a little bit of a battle. That was a six-month battle that I had to wage with the insurance company. Now, luckily, wow. I found a, a surgeon, uh, Dr. Joseph Afram. He's over at the GW Hospital, not mm -hmm. too terribly far from here. Yeah. He, uh, his office actually did most of the fighting for me. And wow. so what happened is... Like, they had to prove that I couldn't lose weight on my own. I was on a medically supervised diet. I actually wound up gaining weight during wow. that time. So they were like, all right, this kid needs to have the procedure. Oh, my God. And as far as expenses, for me, with insurance, it was probably around 1500 maybe $2,000. And that includes the hospital stay and all of mm -hmm. that. Wow. So, That's reasonable. Yeah. For I mean, what I got, yeah, it absolutely I mean, I, was. I'm sure it's probably a $20,000 procedure, $25,000 procedure. Yeah. Easily. So you get the gastric, you're now, did, who taught you how to eat differently? I mean, did you just, like, were you so fed up? It was like... Did you just, like, Google, like, yeah. how do I eat differently? <laughs> yeah, uh, what did they help you do? So this is, uh, <laughs> they, they do have a nutrition uh, nutritionist on staff that kind of, they give you this lay out this suggested menu for you to follow because initially you can't even eat so you're on liquids for like a month or two and then it's soft foods and then then you can start entertaining some regular food again but it's it's really a long-term baby step process but the interesting thing is now i'm such an organic and clean eater mm. right after the procedure i wasn't like that you know i didn't even uh know about that side of things until about a year and a half later maybe two years later really yeah and this is what i'm going to ask my wife to hit pause on this podcast <laughs> thank you uh and that's uh, <laughs> it was actually an ex-girlfriend that actually taught me about all of this okay so this ex was i actually met her reconnected with her at my 10-year high school reunion uh she was the girl that was completely unattainable for me in high school and now she was she wanted me you know, she like sought me out at this uh, at the reunion. Next thing you know, we're dating, and oh she God. she was all into health and nutrition. Turned out to be completely nuts, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> you can have her back on good. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So you learn about nutrition, and, and that's the thing, too. I think people don't realize all the shit that's in your food oh and God. how addicting sugar is, how addicting a lot of the fats are and things that are in Taco Bell. You know, yeast, all that stuff can be super addicting based on your system. Yeah. Food, food is addictive. Food is very addictive. Yeah, matter of fact, they've, they've done studies. that They've studied the, the brains of a morbidly obese person, and they show that uh, the same pleasure centers are triggered you know when they eat that taco bell right as a cocaine addicts are when they you do a bar it's the same thing it's the same pleasure center and that's why it's so hard to walk away from that kind of lifestyle so what changed mentally for you after the surgery how did you get that mental game in order because you're still chuck yeah thank you you're still chuck before and after so what changed just the resolution to do it you know mm. really I felt when I woke up, I'm not going to lie to you, I it was the worst pain I had ever experienced in my life. And I wow. think that it was pretty much right then and there. I was like, I am not going through this. 
to put myself in the same position. But, but, but here's the crazy part. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second. Before the procedure, even the surgeon tells you, it's like, well, if this doesn't take, you can come back for a revisionist procedure in a couple of years. That's like if you don't change your eating habits, you go right back to that yeah. fast food line. Wow, and I'm really? like, I feel like ass. And so this is going through my mind as I'm coming out of that anesthesia right away. And I'm like, I'm not going through this again. And so from there, it was just on. And for some people, that, that switch gets flipped. For other people, it doesn't. Was mm. there ever like an aha moment, I've made it? Like you went, you were walking through a store maybe, and like you like finally were like, you know what? And like the pants fit. Or was there some sort of <laughs> aha moment that you're like, holy shit, I actually accomplished the goal? Yeah, when I could buy off of the rack. Because for mm. so long, I had to shop online yeah. uh, j just to get the, the clothes that fit. And so when I could walk into a Macy's, um, and actually give them some business before all of them go out of business. Um, <laughs> so when, you know, it, it was just such, such a thrill for me just to be able to go in there and, and buy those pants. And now typically a Macy's or whatever department store won't stock anything larger than a 44. So it was, it was some time before I got in there. And now, you know, I'm, I can damn near shop in the junior section and I still yeah. get a thrill out of that. But do I yeah. think that I've conquered this thing altogether? No, I will never think that I have because I treat this the same way that an alcoholic would, that a smoker would. I know that if I have that one drink, if I have that one cigarette after so many years, and think, oh, well, I can handle this, no, BS. The next thing, I'm gonna be buying a six pack or buying a pack of Marlboro Lights, mm -hmm. which I used to smoke two packs a day of. I'm not going to put myself in that position with food. It's not going to happen. That's so good. I mean, and I think you and I are actually, First, when I heard you talk about it, like on Channel 7 and when you were, or Channel 8, and when you were on my podcast, the first time I was like, God, he's so regimented. You know, and I know you said that Julie, your wife, has a hard time with that because you yeah. you won't have a binge day. Like, you won't have a cheat no. day. You, But, you know, I'm sort of that same way in the sense of like, I haven't eaten, I've never had Taco Bell, ever. God bless you. And I can't remember, I actually got really wasted maybe three years ago, and I had McDonald's for the first time in like five or six years. But what I've realized is just over trial and error is, and I used to be a huge binge eater, but like when you eat that, you're, my body feels so, my brain's slow, like my fingers get swollen, like I just feel like shit when I eat that crap, you know, so now I'll have dessert, like I'm a, I am a sugar addict, but, and Sammy can attest to this, I mean, and this is very, uh, I guess, um, wasteful of me or like a little over the top, but you know, I can actually order like four desserts and I'll have two bites of everything and then be done, like I don't, I can actually stop. I know it's crazy, but we go out. She goes, "Yeah, we'll take one of every dessert, please," and she'll just sit there, one little spoon, a bite of this, a bite of that, a bite of this, a bite of this. I like these three. I'll take one more bite, and then that's it. And I'm like, "Okay." Does she take them home at least? No. no she leaves. And she goes, "You guys want to finish these?" I was like, "Yeah," because I'm gonna have four sorbets by myself. <laughs> I try not to do it anymore. It's very wasteful. It's very. It's too much. But I'll say this: I could have a dozen donuts in the house now and have like a bite of donut every single day, and that's it. Okay. But so I understand, but I'm at the point like I, you couldn't get me to binge anymore because of what it does to my system and how I feel. So I can understand where you're at with, I'm not even going to tempt myself. You know what I mean? Like I get that sort of regimented thing because, and Sammy will give me a hard time. Like I have a, I always compare myself to a tropical fish, like a very delicate ecosystem, but it's true. I sort of can eat various food groups and that's it. And when I go away from that, I feel like shit. So I just don't do it anymore. 
That's interesting that you can have that one bite of donut. Some people one can bite. do that. So, and, and I'm sure that there are ex-smokers that can have just one cigarette and won't pick up the habit again. But for a lot of people, it's not that way. I think that you're actually one of the lucky ones to be able to have that one bite of donut. Well, it all came through mindfulness. I mean, mindfulness really is the practice of, of eating something and then just feeling how you feel and sticking with those emotions, you know? And for me, it just... It, like I've really broke down the emotional game for me was when I'm working at a job or when I was in college, I was my heaviest. I was 190 pounds and I weigh 135 now and I'm short, 5'2". So, but I, college was very hard for me. I went to a school that was really difficult and I always say I was the dumbest person at Mount Holyoke. You know, every woman there wanted to be a doctor, a lawyer, and I wanted to be a DJ. Like, <laughs> it was very tough for me. And so when I'm in a place where I feel a little hopeless and just a little, like, depressed and I don't want to be doing this, I wanted to be creative and, and doing TV and radio, but I knew I had to get through it, I ate my way through it as, as a way to kind of comfort myself instead of stopping and going, this is really hard. I am, it's going to be really tough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be creative, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I ate my way to get to the, the end of the tunnel. But isn't it funny that we call that comfort food when in reality it's only making the road a little bit more difficult? Yes, to you're right. It did. It made, the, it made the road difficult. And I hated myself. I hated like, and it's the same thing. When you're 5'2 and 190 pounds, you look like you're close to 300 pounds. So I wasn't getting any dates, believe me. And then on top of that, I went and got a haircut, which was a mullet. So I looked like a very large husky lesbian, and I was not. And it was really hard. Were I was, you shaving your legs at least? No, I actually sort of gave up on all <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll play the role. So anyway, but it was just really, I got to the point where through mindfulness, I realized if I have a whole donut, if I have three donuts, I feel like crap. If I have one bite and I stop, it's fine because I know what the result will be. But you're right. I feel very grateful now to have a very healthy relationship with food. Let me let me ask you, though, what do you get out of that one bite? What does that provide provide you with? Um, that's a great question. I think the one bite um, maybe gives me, because my diet mentality was so all or nothing, gives me the allowance to go, I can still eat this. I don't really even want it anymore, but it's that knowing like, okay, if I want a donut, if I want that sugar, I can have it. And now I enjoy the taste of one, one bite, two bites. But when you get into a whole donut, by the time you're done the donut, you don't even taste it. You I don't, don't even know how you can do is. that one bite thing because me, even if I order a pizza, be like, all right, it's going to last me three meals. Shit, dude, I start eating and I'm like gung ho. <laughs> Right. And then the next thing I know, I'm not eating for like a day and a half. So I was like, oh, dude, I still feel like shit. But, but the one bite tastes amazing. It's it's once you're like gluttonous, once you're eating four donuts, it's not about the taste. You're filling that void. Don't you, do you think? I, that, I mean, the, the girl, that, that is that is on the ragged edge for me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to put myself anywhere near that one bite. Well, I mean, it's still eating shit. You're still eating a, you know. You're eating a donut filled with nasty oils. Well, like, here's, I got a question for both of you. Is there anything you do miss, though, from your gluttonous days? No, I don't. Uh, you know, from time to time, cravings will pop up. Like, um, like you, you never, like, sit there and you see, like, a new commercial for, like, a triple stacked quesadilla at Taco Bell <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, fuck. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I would never, ever, ever do that. But it's like I'll see these commercials. I'm like, that would be the shit with that fire sauce. Like, Dude, yeah. Right? yeah. And then I'm like, what? No, no, no. Okay. no. So what do you eat today? Tell us what you're what you're eating like. What your exercise is like. Uh, exercise. You know, I'm still not very big into the gym. We'll touch on that in a second. Uh, I'm very much into salads and and fruits, but the bigger thing for me is eating every two, two and a half hours. So I have these little organic fruit nut bars that I take with me. Kit's uh, Kit's organic nut, uh, fruit nut bars. Pick them up at your local Whole Foods. Okay. Um, they're very, very good, but it's all clean eating. I won't do anything that's been fried. Um, I won't do anything that has a ton of fat, like cheese I steer away from just because there's so much fat. Um, and yeah, I will eat the fruit nut bar, but I'm even hesitant to go and, and eat a handful of almonds or cashews, even though they are healthy and that's a healthier fat, mm-hmm. but that's still a lot of fat. That's still a lot of calories people don't realize, so I'm very, very conscious of that. I really just try to seek out foods that, that are lower in, in fat and calories mm. and that are clean. What so do you, what for, do you think about like the buzzwords that people talk about, like paleo and you know raw and I, stuff like that? Do you find that you actually follow these at all, or do you uh, just kind of stick to your own... Raw more than anything else, because I don't think that that's as restrictive as people say that, you know, that's just basically saying don't cook your food, so that's fine. But the paleo diet, the beach diet, the Atkins diet, all of that stuff I think is complete bullshit. It is complete bullshit. I do too. When are you writing your book? (laughs) <laughs> well, I got the time now, man. Well come out with one. Well, let's talk five tips because we also want to talk to you about the radio business. Sure. You've been in it, and you know your future plans. So, what are your five uh, diet tips to avoid? This is to avoid in 2016. Am I saying that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Because I, I think this is really good. People are still sucked into the magazines of you know, oh my God, lose 20 pounds in 30 days. A lot of stuff, I'm not going to lie to you, we can kind of breeze through this because we already covered it. Okay. Avoid looking at the word diet as a short-term thing. It's not short-term. Like, I like to think that the E in diet stands for eternal. Mm. So don't ever, ever think that you're going to go out there and you're going to do this for six months and, you know, life will go on and you're going to be great. You're going to be fantastic. No, because after that six month, if you view this as a short-term thing, you're going to be right back at the starting line again. And that brings me to step number two. If you do feel the need to go on a quote-unquote diet, don't put a big piece of cake at the finish line. Mm. Don't have that be your reward. Because, again, that's going to put you right back in that same position. The fact of the matter is, there is no finish line. There shouldn't be. It's your whole life. So don't, you know, and when you haven't had it for a while, if you think you're going to have that big piece of cake, you kind of tend to binge on it anyway. And so that's just not good. You're going to feel like crap. And then you're just going to start craving that stuff all over again. Yeah. No big rewards at the finish line. Okay. Uh, exercise. Don't go hardcore at the gym at first. Matter I love fact, that tip. And and don't go hardcore outside. Like I don't, don't go hardcore on exercise right out of the gate because I guarantee you, you will burn out. And that's why so many people are finished with their New Year's resolutions before we even reach February. 
They're yeah. already burned out. They can have the greatest intentions when they wake up hungover. I know you know a thing or two oh, about that. I know that. a lot about that. <laughs> so January 1st, you know, they're going to be like, all right, I got it all out of my system. I'm going to detox and I'm going to go to the gym. No. And so they spend two hours there. They vomit and then they think, all right, well, I can do two hours a day. Bullshit. Two weeks, they're done. Don't go hard. You're out of it. For mm-hmm. me, I literally started by walking across the street. That's all I could do at first. And then it was around the block and then two blocks. And then eventually it got to the point where I was walking five miles a day. And that's when all the weight literally melted off wow but just walk it off you don't have to go to the gym right the gym can be so intimidating if you haven't been there for a while i think it's intimidating and i do think people start out with just monster expectations of i gotta do this one hour class i gotta do this kickboxing thing i got it and it's just it's tough it's 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 tough you get burnt out if you're not feeling good about your body it's hard to get there because you feel like you're being watched and judged and walk walk somewhere you know you can walk on a trail and just enjoy yourself yeah. And not put yourself all out there in front of somebody where you feel like, oh, my God, I hate the way I look. Go walk. You know what the funny thing is? It's like I, I got so committed to walking. It was like rain, snow, uh, sunshine, ice. I remember, like, walking on ice one time just to get those steps in. I didn't get sick that winter. And for me, that was just like that Huge. was the first time in, what, 27 years of life that I didn't get sick during the winter and that's just because i was always keeping my body in motion and i was able to filter out all of those germs that were making me sick that's just critical and you have you know a positive mindset that's also key love it uh, tip number four things to avoid kind of controversial we kind of talked about this watch the cheat days watch the cheat meals now again i don't believe on them me some, neither i don't believe on them either some people can handle them other people can't but for me the way that i look at it and the way that a lot of people i think if they look back on all of their failed diets will realize that it's that one one cheat meal that they have for me it's always been that one nacho you know i'll tell you i had that one nacho and the next thing man the train was was off the rails rails. yep god awful and then lastly don't listen to anyone else stop listening to anybody else it's it's about yes. it's about you. This is your life. This is your diet. And again, the E stands for eternal. You know, failed diets are always somebody else's plans. You were asking about the yes. paleo and the Atkins. Like that worked for that person that came up with the diet. It's not going to work for you. Yep. It's experiment. All- You've got to experiment. Maybe gastric is right for you. Maybe mindful eating is right for you. Maybe paleo is. But you've got to try things. You've got to listen to your own body. Right. And no matter what plan you develop for yourself, even if it is using somebody else's formula, the universal formula is always the same. Eat better, exercise more. And yeah. I'm not talking about hours in the gym again. I'm just saying take better care of yourself. And it's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. Chuck, I love it. Those are awesome, awesome tips. At the Chuck Carroll on Twitter. His website is coming soon. It is. Uh, for those of you two who are just meeting Chuck for the first time on this podcast, we talked about, we knew him at, at Big 100.3, where you were Ballard's producer, right? John Ballard was the morning yeah, the show mor- guy. The morning man over at uh, 100.3. That was kind of my big break. That was an on-air yeah. role. You know, I mm-hmm. got to jump in there and do some sidekick stuff, and that was a blast. From there, then you ended up on All News 99.1, which was CBS's kind of equivalent to T.O.P., correct? Right. That, <laughs> that's where I've been sort for of. the past four years. Um, As a reporter yes. for them. Yes. So uh, are you going back into radio? 
to be determined. Uh, I mean, I'm trying desperately to uh, to make that leap into uh, the television realm. We'll see. Uh, hopefully, that that can that can pan out. What do you want to do on TV? Uh, I want to be a health personality. I want to keep doing this path that I'm on because you talk about having a purpose in life. Like there's a book, The Purpose Driven Life. For mm -hmm. me, it's to inspire others, you know, let them know that all is not lost. What the hell is the holdup? Why isn't Channel 8 giving you I'll a weekly? Uh, Motivation <laughs> Monday, yeah. <laughs> so so thank Good. you, thank okay. you, thank you, Thomas, for uh, hooking me up over hell there. Hell yeah, you should be. Yeah, so uh, very, very excited about that. And, and now it's just a matter of, you know, trying to piece together uh, the master plan that would enable me to do this full time. Because honestly, isn't TV? It's like it, it's such a it's a better environment than radio. I mean, don't you hate that? I hate being like the person that is. You can see how people become just like bitter about radio because it is such a shitty business. Oh my god, it's the, it's it is it's the shits. Everybody's it's always getting shits. laid off. You know, you, you never know if you're gonna walk in one day and be pink slipped. Like, matter, I had the wool pulled over my eyes at CBS. Like, Did you? Yeah. Um. But can I gotta you be, actually I talk gotta, about I, it? Yeah. CBS. Not too much. I gotta be. I gotta we, be careful. We understand. Get that um, severance check, baby. Yeah. And then once you get that severance check, you can call them racist or whatever you want to. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. That's what I did. <laughs> it was. Uh, Sorry, I, we I will did. actually say CBS was a really really good company to work for and on the television side i would go back to to doing that uh working for them in a heartbeat but radio is radio and there will always be cuts because it's it's an industry i don't want to call it dying but it's certainly changing changing oh, yeah. in a big I mean, way unless they did a radical 180 how the fuck is it going to survive no i mean it's, it's the, the best case scenario for radio and i say this all the time and i don't know what how you feel is that these major companies iheart cumulus cbs fail and actually have to sell off to smaller investment groups and then i think you'll have creative radio again yeah, I think that that's that's true. And speaking of selling off, that's exactly what happened with WNEW. Yes, it's, it's uh, leased right now to Bloomberg, but eventually that should be pushed through to a full blown. They sale. weren't looking for any DC-based reporters, huh? Um, they did hire back a couple of our anchors, and I think eventually they will be looking for reporters. And um, I, I love that job. I love being able to go out and to see the world. I haven't been approached. Uh, if I'm still looking, I would certainly entertain the idea, but right now it's about the purpose-driven life and, and going uh, And you know what? Look, if you can't answer anything, just no problem. You can just say pass. All right. Uh, okay. But uh, how did you find it? Because we found that, you know, Cumulus was great as well in at least giving us a, 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 an ability to experiment to some degree, right? right? For initially the start. Then, of course, they turned out to be racist, but we... <laughs> Well, I should say, let me, let me correct that. A manager was racist. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to blanket statement the whole company. But was there a lot of like, oh, Chuck, you got to really do this. Don't, you know, don't say that. Don't cover this. Like, was there a lot of that bullshit? No. Uh, matter of fact, I can only think of one instance where a story that I did was vetoed. Really? Uh, yeah. They, they gave me a lot of leeway there. They gave all the reporters a lot of leeway there. Um, oh, that's great. But, well, I mean, they kind of had to because you have... Our, we had a two-story-a-day quota, and so with Damn. each story, you had to do three or four reports on it. So, like, you were a workhorse. Like, eight hours, you had to cram all that shit in. And um, so just the sheer volume of the stories, they, they encouraged you to pitch ideas. They really, really did. So as far as having a lot of creative leeway, I certainly had that. Uh, if someone asked you to get in, if you would give them the advice to get into radio, what would you say? 
Boy, that is a good question. Uh, yes, if you view it as a stepping stone for something bigger and better, um, because you are not, That's especially if you're just getting into it now, in 20 or 30 years, that industry, I, it's not going to be there for you. It really isn't, you know. If you were me, would you have taken the $190,000 to follow Jack Diamond on a midday show where you spoke five times an hour for 30 seconds? I would have thought long and hard about it. And I, I, can, I can tell you, I can tell Jack's you. It's like, yes. The, the 190 was way more than I was making at NEW. So if that position's still open, uh, just give me a call or hit me up on Twitter. Oh, my God. Head over there. Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, 190000 just Well, this is why they're nearly bankrupt. They make poor decisions like that. I, yeah. When you said that i'm like standing off the stage and it's like 190,000 for, for middays. middays that's in fucking insane yeah what the fuck but mm -hmm. the other thing i would be thinking well, they, is they fucked themselves in a lot of ways because they put out a press release that i was already staying and they also had a lot of you know i mean i've been really blessed in this town i've had a great career dc has always embraced me and so i had a lot of great relationships with advertisers what they didn't anticipate was when they had said they were doing this change and letting everybody go they had a lot of those advertisers calling and going well what's up with sarah you know we want sarah to stay we want so then they kind of scrambled and came back and said well why don't you stay and we'll give you 190,000." and then it's like ridiculous. okay well why the fuck didn't you think about that worth like before but here's the thing i would be fearful of and maybe this did run through your mind that is like ridiculous for Friggin' midday. That's insane for and, midday. And you know, and you know when that first round of cuts comes, like you You're are the at the top one. of the list. Exactly. So exactly. unless that's a no cut multi-year deal, yeah. It was multi-year, but it wasn't no cut. There was a lot of I mean, they wanted me to stay a long time, but you know, there was a lot of reasons they could cut me and then I would have like three months severance. You know, your typical after severance. That wouldn't there wasn't a, a great severance package right, with, with that, that, you know what I mean? Right. Mm. And uh yeah, I mean, I think, look, if my end game was radio, if it was just to preserve myself as long as I could in radio, great gig. But I don't think anybody really cares about middays. And I think that, honestly, I'm about doing meaningful work. I'm about working with the people I want to work with. And there, you know, you always were, don't say this. Got to say this. Got to be more like this. Got to give the time and temperature. It's like, okay, guys, you, you guys know, I mean, so spot on with that. The, the it's so stupid. It's shit like that all the time. The worst. The worst. The worst. Let me fly in from California and tell you how to do radio on the East Coast, bastards. No, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And you're right. Nobody listens in the shower anymore. Nobody does, man. I was like, if someone bought me <laughs> a shower radio, one. guess what? They would not be my friend next year. <laughs> Next year, you'd got them next year. Uh, no, I'd be like, no, if you bought me a shower radio next year, you're, you don't even bother buying me a present because we're already not friends anymore. I will so. you know, look, Chuck, we love having you on. This was amazing. We could talk to you all day about yeah. this. And uh, thank you so much. You are truly an inspiration. I know you're going to get that TV gig because I'm telling you, come out with the book. And then you got to give the exclusive to us. Actually, first. don't come out with a book. Come out with an ebook. That's where it's all coming to yeah, now. Well, or a book on tape, e some yeah. Audible. We're, we're, we're going to baby step this. we got a website coming, then uh, then an ebook. Then I'll come back. I'll use this equipment and do an audio book. Yes. You know? you go. I'll borrow the stage here. Uh, you guys can do cameos, take a chapter or two from me. All right. And uh, we'll just take over the world one Love healthy it. person at a time. Love it. I know. Then we'll be making way more than 190K. Damn straight. I hope. Otherwise, I've really made a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Chuck, we love you. You can follow us. Uh, the podcast will be out a new episode next Tuesday, but follow us on our social medias. I'm on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram under HeyFrase, H-E-Y-F-R-A-S-E. Sammy is under those same as the Sammy, S-A-M-Y-K. And then follow Chuck Carroll at the Chuck Carroll. It's two R's and two L's. Okay. Love you lots. Bye, guys. Ciao.